Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another exciting episode of Days and Infuse. I'm Latham Woodward, your host as always. And today we're with an OG, an OG person in the cannabis business. And welcome, Jeffrey Kolsky from CannaSoothe. Thanks, Latham. It's great to be here. And it's great to have you here too, man. Uh, you're the founder of CannaSoothe and a very innovative product um, in a world flooded with gummies. CannaSoothe kind of stands apart in a different kind of texture um, and a different kind of effect. Before we get into all that, though, let's start talking about your historical relationship to cannabis. How do you get to cannabis and how long has it been in your life? Um, you know, cannabis, I guess the first joint was a bar mitzvah at the age of 13. And really the only oh, thing. Mazel tov. Yes, gracias. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing I remember from that was my mother saying to me, I've never seen you eat so much. And uh, it was a few years after that, but certainly in high school, um, college, I actually stayed away from cannabis because I, it'll segue into kind of why I started doing what I was doing when, uh, when the light went off between sativa and indica, but back in college, I used to, you know, the random joiner bong would go around and mm -hmm. it wasn't quite my thing. You know, it made me a little antisocial. So I put it down for a while. Um, but then uh, when I came out West, I kind of creeped back in and I started to learn more about how it differentiated and zeroed in on the cannabis that I really like. So mm -hmm. And that's just the long and short of that, that the cannabis. Yeah. I mean, it took me on the journey of the sativa indica thing. And, uh, you know, the first product I ended up doing, should, should we jump in there at, at this point? Um, well, you know, let's, yeah, go ahead and tell the people at home what um, CannaSooth is because it is a different and innovative product. And it's um, not like anything I've had before. Yeah, the, the can of Soothe is really, for, for so many years, I, I played with uh, hard candy in the medical space and uh, ended up creating about 50 different SKUs that were sugar and sugar-free. And when I approached the, the rec market, um, I was looking at a lot of wasteful plastic and a lot of excessive, um, a lot of excessive uh, packaging materials. And, uh, and I had played around with flow wrapping machines at another facility and I didn't like them. And I wanted mm -hmm. to create a hard candy that didn't stick and melt um, to really make it much more usable um, over time, shelf stable, as opposed to things like gummies melt above 72 degrees. These things, I mean, I've had them in the frozen tundra and I've had them in the hottest desert days um, and concerts in the summer. And they just sit, they sit and they're stable. Um, wow. So to create something that didn't need packaging... I could put it in such a compact little bag or little box. Um, you know, we ended up kind of innovating there. Um, was, was, the let me stop you there. Was Tic Tacs any kind of like inspiration to you? Because that's kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, certainly, uh, I mean, that's more of a mint, but that's a coated product, which is really what I started to experiment with. Um, in my previous iterations, the pro you know things turned really quickly. I had fairly simple packaging, and and it just wasn't as critical to have the packaging and the product be completely integrated. It was more about the efficacy of it, which I really translated over into this product. So I took a lot of what I learned about the best and most efficacious oils and extracts to add into these products, which is why they, for such a small little thing and only five milligrams, it really you know, kind of hits a lot harder sometimes or more completely, you know, more full spectrum effects. So. Yeah, it, it's definitely that. Can, why don't we um, go and address that? It's a later question that I had for you, but what is full spectrum and why have you chosen it? Yeah. I mean, 
it's kind of the don't be fooled by, you know, people using full spectrum. But in my mind, full spectrum is the closest um, reflection of the plant, you know, in a, in a concentrate. So everything that that plant contained, I want to basically take with and not destroy in the extraction and concentration process. So mm-hmm. um, I have found that the gentlest process for the plant material is ethanol. Um, you know, the Rick Simpson oil is kind of the same process one that has a lot of medical efficacy. Um, you know, it, for me, I really want to capture not only the medicinal, but certainly the recreational effects that come with the uplifting side of the sativa um, and the relaxing side of the indica. You could call it medical, you can call it recreational. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, you're going for an effect base. And to truly get that effect with the small amount of milligrams that we have to work with too, um, it's just extremely important that you provide as much of that plant in the product. At least that's my approach to it. No, and my personal experience with your product is that it does not have that um, typical distillate high. You know, it has a much more rounded um, high, much more like you're smoking the actual flower. Um, what, what, what's your flavor profiles right now? Um, right now we're doing a uh, sativa, tan- uh, sativa strawberry uh, mm-hmm. and a uh, indica-based tangerine. These are uh, wonderful flavors. I've worked with this concentrate company for years. They're, uh, they, I mean, I, you can't put organic on cannabis products in California. But they are from organic sources. I think they're triple organic certified. And uh, up cool. until the pandemic, the prices were similar to the artificials. Now with everything getting a little nuttier, the prices took a, a bit of a bite. It's still, it was, it's a great product. So, yeah, it's very tasty. I have to say, I mean, it's not, it's not uh, disappointing in any, in any way. It's not also a gummy, but it's not also a hard candy. It's like this n- interesting little mix. Why don't you describe yeah, the, what, the texture? What it, it really, you know, it was almost, I, I kind of stumbled upon it when I was playing around with the coating materials. Um, and, and since then, I've actually started working with another coating material as well that allows me to to, to maintain more of the card candy cores. It's basically how they start out though. They start out as a little cube made using a traditional hard candy recipe. Um, the current coating uses a, a water, sugar, and Arabic base um, that's heated to a certain temperature. And then the candies are individual, then they're tumbled and then they're cured individually um, and then packaged. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's how they're currently done. Um, I've been playing with some other, stuff that'll take it out of being a vegan product um, simply because the shellac that gets used for these things uh, is beetle bug based. I mean, it sounds a little weird, uh, you know, apparently all these products that you see a Skittles or a jelly, you know, jelly belly, some of them are using carnauba wax. So many of them are using a shellac. A lot of the uh, chocolates that you see with shines on them, like raisin beetles. Yeah. It's from beetles. It's from a beetle gland. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and they, they, put, it's either a wax or a shellac that, that basically if you have a shiny candy or a candy that has some sort of a shine on it, um, and a coating, yeah. it's one of those two materials, most likely a carnauba wax or, or a shellac from beetles. What a trip you learn yeah. something new every day, honestly. Um, now um, before we get into a couple more things, I just want to remind everyone at home that this program is brought to you by Shuggies. Now in a new reinvented format, we've got 500 milligram and 1000 milligram infused agave powder. Um, agave powder is amazing because it's 25% 
more sweet than agave syrup. It also is 92% fructose and only 4% glucose and 4% sucrose. So if you do have sugar intolerance problems, our product is where you need to go. That's Shuggies. Find us at www.shuggies.com. That's S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S. And you can see our new 500 and 1,000 milligram uh, infused powder. We also, of course, carry stevia for you um, people who love stevia. There is a definite stevia crowd out there, and that's only 100 milligrams, but it's very efficacious as well. Also, nano infused, as all our products are with Next Level Nano 2.0 from our friends in Desert Hot Springs. Um, Jeffrey, let me ask you about edibles in general. And I'm going to ask you three questions now, and then let's address them each. What is the good in edibles currently? What is problematic in edibles right now? And what's innovative? So let's start with what's what's the good sign of edibles right now? Is it innovation? Is it offerings? What's the good? I mean, it, it's hard. Certainly, there's some unique and, and wonderful products out there. Uh, they're struggling to get to get an audience. Um, you know, the good is that they're still available and that they're still out there. Uh, there's some great chili sauce, this green chili sauce that I love. There's, I mean, even the big brands, and I don't want to give them a prop right now, but the Starburst thing that Kiva makes is kind of good, you know? Okay. I mean, so there's there's certain places where they're pushing into childhood favorites or, you know, some really interesting cannabis interpretations. Um, so I, I like those products. I'd like to see more of those products. I'd like to see more than, you know, 15 brands on majority of, you know, dispensary shelves because we're, you know, we're kind of losing some of these things. But, uh, oh, what else do I find? I like full. What, what, what's the, what's the chili sauce you like? Oh, um, from our friends over at uh, F.A. Nino's. They're just oh, uh, the, from the, Chuck, the, a, a guest on this program before. Yes. That's great. Great stuff. Um, what else have I been liking lately? Um have you tried the potly chips, the shrimp chips? I haven't. I, you know, I'm a little Very good. Yeah. The, my gluten issue. I got a little, oh, I think I'm not good. sure if those, I have to look at them. I haven't. It's, it's rice seen, flour. Oh, rice flour should be fine. Yeah, man, I would try, try those. those. I've seen those. Cool. <laughs> so what's, um, what do you think is problematic in edibles right now? I, you know, I, it's, I'm going to say it across a number of product lines. It's the rampant use to distillate. Um, it's just, you know, people, and I don't, it's hard to kind of educate people in, in mass. Um, right. So, you know, back in the, in the medical days, they really took the time to walk people through. I mean, almost every purchase. And I was there, I was, I, you know, I used to deliver all of my products to dispensaries and spent significant time with them because the bud tender relationships and the manager relationships are just lifelong. And they're your best people to talk about. And, and that's missing in the retail model. So it's, it's hard to get unique products to people because the salespeople aren't quite as interested, the bud tenders. I mean, so, so you've got a lot of kind of distillate base, very kind of down to the simplest form of cannabis. There's, if you see a product that's got cannabis concentrate, comma terpenes, you're not really getting a full spectrum. So it's unfortunate that that's the breadth of, you know, of the offerings. Um, so people aren't really getting to experience the range and possibilities of cannabis and, and they're missing out. They're kind of listening to jazz with the, with the bass and the treble turned all the way down. 
Yeah, I mean, my own personal experience with distillate is we we left di- distillate behind and went 100% nano basically because I, I heard it recently described sledgehammer effect, distillate sledgehammer. And then yeah. it just peters out really fast. It's not a good high and it's, <clears throat> I don't think it's very efficacious. And, and, then, and then some of them, <laughs> they, um, they optimize for THC. So they'll further burn the distillate up into a THC dominant distillate. And then you'll, you'll notice them. They have that very peppery taste, um, beta, very beta carafeline rich and kind of just turned out. If you see something that's 80, 90% in a distillate, that's just a burned out molecule or compound that's been basically just jacked up to have THC numbers. So I tend to yeah. stay away from those things because they give me headaches. Yeah. Give me a headache too. And I also, um, the process is through your liver, so it can be unpredictable to a certain extent oil mm-hmm. basis very hard to people don't understand it it's very hard to get a distillate to combine with things yeah and and it's i not easy emulsi- yeah and I, that's one of the things i learned over the years was how to emulsify these oils um you know just find some gentle carriers some natural carriers to to help um and i was able to work in sugars as well as sugar substitutes um, you know, not quite the shuggy stuff that you mentioned, which I've had, it's delicious. Um, the, um, I worked with, uh, I work with xylitol and, oh, okay. uh, and xylitol acts very similarly to sugar. And then I just found some really good carriers to blend, to blend the oils in with. Cool. So the third, the third part of that question was innovation and innovative. You see innovative products out there and this is when you say shuggies. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, certainly I have to say this new nano, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm interested in, uh, I've been waiting to see a COA on this, but I've been promised that uh, some of these newer, oh. this newer process has got a, uh, you know, smokable, ingestible, and brings you the, uh, the terpene profile. So that's the closest I've seen in a multi-use, uh, you know, dissolvable platform that, uh could be great. Um, I, I like what they've done with pre-rolls. I, I like the infused pre-rolls, you know, I mean, it was a good way to kind of take care of your, you know, less pretty material, um, right. you know, smaller buds and all of that. And, and to turn it into something of fairly high value and, and the pre-roll in general, just kind of takes a bunch of B bud, um, which is super good, bud. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just visually less appealing. Um, you know, and then infusing it. I, I, I've liked some of the flavor profiles that have come out. There's a, there was a blueberry muffin with blueberry muffin diamonds. I couldn't get enough of for a while. Well, oh, no, that sounds good. That sounds incredible. <laughs> um, so let's go on to the next question. That is, where do you think craft cannabis is headed right now? Um, I think we're in dangerous territory right now. We're, we're, uh, I mean, there's, you can read all the articles. They all say the same thing. You can also talk to the people at ground level. Yeah, we're at extinction level events at this point where the, the problem is lack of, I mean, liquidity is one thing. You could bootstrap a company. I've bootstrapped every single one of these companies. And the issue then turns out to be a cash flow problem. Um, the money's not coming back quickly enough. And by the time it comes back to you, everybody, I mean, the state has triple dipped. And, um, and you know, the, the retailers are, everybody's struggling. So it's really a very doomed model. It's, it's an unfortunate thing when the government comes into a perfect market economy. I mean, they most, you know, most typically destroy everything they touch. And, 
And what we're seeing right now is everything they said they wouldn't do, they're doing. They're not really acting quickly to fix it. And from the farms to the edibles to all of the small folks, we're, we're just basically hanging on. Uh, yeah. and, and the problem is that our, our numbers don't, even, even when we kind of get through all of it, we don't really come out in the black. You know, We're just kind of losing money to try to stay alive to see if we can turn something around or if something will eventually give. So it's, it's, it's kind of it's sad because it, everything worked wonderfully before the state mingled. And we didn't really get any benefit out of this except for some testing, which could have done, been done easily locally with the state setting the standard. And then just a tax at the side at retail. I mean, and it would have just been simple. Right. Um, instead, we've got this convoluted system that's screwing everybody. So it's unfortunate. It's explain your un- understanding of terps, and so it's not coming from me. And what are good terps, and what are bad terps? <laughs> um, well, terpenes are um, a natural part of uh, the botanical world. So uh, when you pick up an orange and you smell an orange and it's a recognizable smell, that's because that's citrulline. That's a terpene that gives off that citrusy smell. Um, when you pick up various other things, they have certain, so- certain odors. So that's a terpene. A flavonoid is a very similar compound that contributes flavor to things. Um, but let's just stick with terpenoids or terpenes. Um, they are present in many different forms. Uh, in cannabis, they're an incredible, I mean, each strain, as, as you look down now, as we really have started to do the, uh, the experiment, the, the testing on it and really breaking down the terpene profiles of these different strains, um, we started to see similarities in, say, sativa or uplifting strains. We started to see limonene and pinaline and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're looking on the some more sedative ones and they've got linalu in them and different things and all, you know, it, it was just one of those light bulb moments, especially I remember in the early days when testing first came out and these folks over at Halet Labs out of Davis started doing terpene profiles on the testing. Right. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, that's how it's working. We couldn't, you know, until then we were kind of trying to guess what was making it more uppity and what was making it more sleepy. And, you know, we right. looking at CBN levels at first and it didn't make sense that it was the, that. So the terpenes are just a wonderful uh, constellation of compounds that create this unique experience with each cannabis strain. And, you know, as we were talking earlier about the extraction methods, that's why I really prefer the ethanol extraction methods because that terpenoid profile is maintained through the extraction process. Um, and you really can get the uh, the psychoactive reactions out of it. Uh, and, and why is that with ethanol? This is this is really getting into the weeds, but you know we hear a lot of different extraction methodologies, right? Yeah. I, why I just, is it with ethanol? Do you know? I, you know, it, it's a good question, actually. Um, I'm not a hundred. It's just I think it's a gentler solvent um, mm-hmm. as these solvents go, because really, what we're doing is introducing solvents. Um, when we're doing this. So the ethanol seems to not break apart the, uh, the, the natural molecular compounds on the plant, say as much as a CO2 extraction, you do a full CO2 pull and it separates out all the waxes from the cannabinoids and the waxes are what, you know, it's got the terpenes and the flavonoids and the aminos are all sitting in there. So when you do a CO2 extraction, you think CO2, oh, it's less, you know, it's an inert gas or, you know, it's a gentle gas. 
but it really stretches the, it stretches the plant a lot harder than uh, than the simple alcohol wash. And, and alcohol washes have been popular for years. I mean, this is how people would make different botanical extracts um, over the years. So it's it's very similar to to you know that kind of a process. Okay. Um, let's go back and to um, the full spectrum chat again. Okay. Yeah. In, in terms of what, what is highlighted in a full spectrum? Is it the terpene profile? What's the most important thing? If that's even a, a, a thing within I, I, the full spectrum. Right. Cause I mean, what's interesting is again, going, referring back to testing, when, you know, now that we have such wide availability of information, if you look at almost every test result from a distillate, okay, you're going to mm-hmm. see an extremely similar percentage or ratio blend of cannabinoids. You're going to see predominantly, you know, Delta 9 THC, um, you know, depending on how much it's been decarboxylized, you might see a little bit of, you know, THCA. Uh, you'll see a little bit of CBD or CBG, you know, in there. And maybe a little CBA, you see some CBN, maybe some CBA, and that's it. I mean, and this could come from any strain. So you start with a sour diesel or you start with a Romulan on totally opposite sides of the effect strain of this effects matrix. And yet their cannabinoid profile is identical when they get turned into distillate. What's been changed? You know, what's been removed? Uh, The terpene profiles, what's been removed. And, And if you look into the plant world, you'll see that certain terpenes are used in medicine or medicinally to create this effect and that effect. Um, Chamomile, for example, has a relaxing uh, quality about it. The terpenes that make up chamomile most likely are linalool or bilibul or some of these other ones that have that sedative effect. Um, I don't know, why do we drink orange juice in the morning? Maybe there's something about the limonene or the the, uh, citrulline that has an uplifting effect. Uh, you know, and it kind of naturally evolved that way for us to use those. Um, so I think that those, that's really what contributes to the full spectrum the most. Um, that's a great answer and very comprehensive because I think your example of chamomile tea, for instance, right? That's one of those things that when you smell it, you're like, oh, it's a nice night. I'm going to calm down, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I'm in that thing and I'm just going to chill now. And that, that's the feeling you get uh and when you smell some great weed i mean that's the same thing you're just like wow that is yeah higher i want to blow that one up in the bong right now (laughs) i remember years ago when the the dispensary (laughs) folks are saying you know when people are trying to choose a strain they don't know which one they're new to cannabis or anything in general was put them under their nose and the ones that are the most appealing should be the ones they try first Great idea. I mean, I, that's a good advice for anyone listening right now. That's still words of wisdom. Words of wisdom, Lloyd. Words of wisdom. Jack <laughs> Knuckles on the shining. Um, let's just talk. Let's go over into a troubling territory for me. Um, and that is, and I'm sure it's for you too, and many, many, many people in the cannabis business, flower trends and potency and this crazy, crazy elevation to the stratosphere and everything's got to be 30%. Oh, if you don't have 30%, don't even come here and show it to me. You know, it's driving me crazy. My big fear with that too, is that we're going to lose out on some amazing legacy strains that have great medical efficacy and recreational efficacy. I mean, you know, I I just recently, uh, there was a batch of legend OG, which was, you know, OG Kush, or it's probably as close to OG Kush as it should be. And, 
the manufacturer of this grower of this said, I can't bring it to market because it's only at 18%. And, you know, in 2015, when OG, you know, or 2010, when OG Kush was the thing, everything was oh, OG yeah. Kush. If it was 16 to 20%, you never saw OG Kush go over 21, 22 tops. And, right. and it didn't make a difference at all and, no. and, and it's, and it's uh, enjoyability or, or potency. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking at the wrong things and, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's like bigger, better, more, you know, it's kind of a, a thing. I think it's discouraging. I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's discouraging to some of the market too. I mean, not everyone wants to get blasted hot. Yeah. And who's to even say these 24% do it? I mean, I, I want to see the terp levels. I mean, certainly you see the indoor guys. And, and I have to say, I mean, they're, they're doing some genius work with LED light blending. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what's allowing them to really optimize both uh, uh, cannabinoid potencies as well as terpene levels. Um, right. But, you know, they're also feeding it superfood. I mean, if I was allowed to sit inside a perfect environment all day long and get worked out all day long, I'd look like Brad Pitt. But, you know, I mean, it's it's those it's, of you looking at this on video <laughs> <laughs> comments below. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're both, you know, you're not in that camp. Yeah, anyway. I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I get <laughs> I get it, man. I mean, it's just like uh, I just think um, so much good going away because of this this thrust into potency. You know, like um, God, what was the strain I just loved um, for so long? It was I can't even because I never see it anymore. Yeah, shit. What was it? I can't remember. That's what weed'll do to you, kids. <laughs> Certainly, um, a lot of really great legacy strains are kind of get left by the wayside. A lot of those, um, the kind of citrusy ones, like Tangelo, Clementine, those yeah. score in the in the upper teens usually. We're going to see those all fall off, and and it's unfortunate. So they're all going to they're going to zoom in on these higher potency strains that, um, and they're going to pretty much dominate the space for quite a while until there's some sort of push. Otherwise, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, I, I yeah. it's hard to say there's been so many trends in cannabis over the years. I used to be Jack everything. Now I don't see Jack anywhere. Um, yeah, exactly. I haven't seen Jack for a year. OG Kush, train racks, all the Romulans. I guess they're trying to bring back a little bit of grape ape. Um, one, I think Sherbinsky or one of those guys has got some old clone on it. Um, the other thing you'd also, we're, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with the CBD space. You know, it's, it's interesting. I used to be a big manufacturer of uh, CBD edibles um, before the hemp space kind of came up. And yeah. now with the hemp space here, it's, you know, to, to incorporate CBD or to lead with a high CBD products, almost foolish in this marketplace because they can buy it at a CBD store. It may not be, it probably won't be the same quality. Most likely it's not, uh, but it doesn't matter. You know, the consumer, an informed consumer, you know, the consumer is informed to a level and then they don't seem to dig in too deeply, at least in mass. Right. Um, That's you know, sure. They're kind of led to the water and told the water is water and they believe it. So, Jeffrey, believe it or not, we're almost at the end of the show here. And I have to ask you the second question I ask all my guests. And that's, uh, do you have a stony story for people at home? Everyone likes a stony story. Oh, you know, um, I think over the years, my my most favorite or fun has been the various places that my jolly lolly has ended up. 
being the first product that I ever made and being a sativa dominant edible, um, I have run into so many different people on different parts of this globe that when I mentioned Jolly Meds, they're like, wait a minute, Jolly Lolly? Are you the Jolly Lolly guy? Well, really? Uh, That's cool. I mean, from uh, parties where I heard um, Woody Harrelson had a party with a, just a big bowl of Jolly Lollies in them. Um, I've heard from various dispensaries that used to hoard them that certain celebrities would come in and buy them, different people. I was surfing in Costa Rica once and some guy was like, wait, you're the Jolly Lolly guy? I mean, just all over the place. I've, I've run into people with this. and uh, Let's bring them back bring back, back Jeffrey. i know i know the, the jolly lolly i love it the strawberry sativa can of soothe is exactly the same thing and it doesn't stick okay, okay. <laughs> all right well um for those of you who want to know where can people find can of soothe and uh and shout out some dispensaries that carry yeah absolutely some of my old term partners spark um in uh the north bay and uh, our Golden Gate Cannabis Company in the city, they're a great spot. Um, down in Santa Barbara, some of my friends at Santa Barbara Care Center up, up in Ojai as well at Sespe Creek. Um, go out to the desert. The Sespe Creek, at, cool store. Great store. The folks that True Leave uh, have it out in the desert, you know, kind of scattered about a little bit. I mean, if you're willing to scramble a little bit, you can get them. And soon we'll have direct oh. consumer for you as well. So all you have to do is go to our website, get and uh, you'll be able to click buy and we'll be able to get them to you. That's cool. And that's get canasooth. That's www.getcanasooth.com. That's G E T C A N N A S O O T H E.com. Jeffrey, one. thanks very much for being here and thanks for your education and uh, thanks for your advocacy and your diligence in the canvas business. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Latham. It's been great. It has been great. And as always, this show is brought to you by Shogis, but our parent company is Sense Distribution, located in Santa Rosa, California. Many, many great brands to look for. If you're looking for a great, innovative brand, look at sensedistribution.com. Until next time, I'm Latham Woodward, your host here on Days and Infused. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.